Bruins. This might be my last transmission, but I just wanted to let you all know, the birds have come to campus. Okay, folks, that was a bit of an overrated introduction, but welcome to No Offense, the Daily Bruins' official opinion podcast. No, the birds are not attacking us. This is not a take from Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. And yeah, well, anyways, I'm Keshav Thadimati, the Daily Bruins' opinion editor, and uh, we have a very fun crew with us today. Does everybody want to go around and introduce themselves? Hey, guys, uh, I'm Abhishek Shetty. I'm one of the assistant opinion editors. Hi, guys, I'm Omar Saeed. I'm an opinion columnist. Yep, and as you probably guessed, we're going to talk, be talking about the latest invasive species on our campus. No, we're not talking about the squirrels. We're not talking about the seagulls. There aren't actually any seagulls anyways. I did once see a seagull here, though. I will tell you that. That's not invasive enough. We need two to have. <laughs> Birds do... Seagulls do not asexually reproduce. And, and, and lastly, we're not talking about the numerous students who keep coming on campus, because if that were the case, we'd be the invasive species. No, we're talking about the latest and greatest machine that has come to campus, or as some people want to say it, the latest, greatest, and worst machine that has come to campus, the bird scooters. Um, Omar, do you, want, do, you want to, do you want to give some context to this? What is a bird scooter? What is all this stuff? Why is there so much craze surrounding this? All right, so Bird Scooters, there's this company called Bird, and their business model is that they have these electric scooters. You can rent them using their app, and you pay a dollar to unlock it, 15 cents a minute, and they're annoying as hell. Why are people so obsessed with these scooters? Like, how do they work and whatnot? I want to say, like, I've looked at them, I've seen people ride them, they look really fun. They go up to 15 miles an hour, which is pretty fast, and they're relatively cheap, so people like them because they can get places faster than they normally would. So it's not bad. And you can go up and down hills way more easily. Right. And it's also worth pointing out that former Uber employees, I want to say Uber executive, was um, the one who helped found or at least develop the bird scooter program. There you can pick up, pick them up whenever, wherever you see them. You can drop them off virtually anywhere. Um, there are obviously rules governing how you can operate birds, though, right? Uh, yeah, because of existing state laws, there's a bunch of rules. You have to wear a helmet. You have to drive on streets, not sidewalks. No double riding, basically. And you can't have anything in your hands that obstructs you from holding onto the handlebars. So basically, you have to be a good Samaritan and follow all the traffic rules, which all Californians do and students do even more, right? Especially here in LA. Okay, if this sounds too good to be true, that's because it kind of is. Um, so birds, they're great. Students, not so much. Um, and Abhishek, do, do, do you want to explain w w what's the problem with these, with these bird riders? Well, let's start with the fact that Boonwalk is a dismount zone, which means that no one is allowed to ride on wheels. Like, you can't skateboard on Boonwalk, you can't bike down Boonwalk. So the thing is, people with these birds, they're going pretty fast, and they're going on Boonwalk, and people walk on Boonwalk. So there's a chance for a collision right there. So it's basically like... The birds are actually attacking humans now? Yes, it is almost, almost a scene out of the movie from Alfred Hitchcock. So if you're wondering why we're making this many references, it's because Abhishek forced Omar and myself to watch, like, a good six minutes of this of this movie. And we were, we were kind of creeped out, kind of underwhelmed. Like, we were... Basically, Alfred Hitchcock's movie involves birds turning against the humans and, like, basically attacking them. And in, in a very cynical yet applicable way, the bird scooters are attacking Bruins. And uh, 
That, that's a bit of a problem. Um, I, as far as I understand, UCPD isn't a big fan of these birds, right, Omar? No, UCPD really, like, they don't like them. They've had to, like, expend extra effort to enforce the laws because of them. They're now actually starting to post people all over Bruin Walk to make sure that people aren't riding birds there or riding without helmets. And I'd also like to add that uh, Lieutenant Kilgore from the UCPD, he was at a USAC meeting a couple of weeks ago, and he said that he would see birds going past his office and he'd look outside and think, wow, that's pretty cool, but it's also pretty fast. Wait, cool and fast are not good? Wait, I'm confused. Well, he thought that the bird scooters were cool because people were riding them, but he was like, that's a bit fast too. Here's the problem with bird scooters is they go 15 miles an hour. And most of us here in California, we have driver's licenses. We've driven cars. 15 miles an hour is really slow. But that's because you're in a car. When you're on a scooter going 15 miles an hour, that's five times faster than you normally walk. That's too fast. And probably 20 times faster than the sleep-deprived college student walking down Bruin Walk. You guys are walking at three miles per hour. That's it. Get on my speed, which is (laughs) (laughs) 4.4. I Googled this, okay? It's you average. you you measure your speed of walking? I kind of have a good idea. I, it's because I'm almost always late to class. Well, okay, there, there's there been some talk on uh, campus, um, a couple submissions, and a couple opinion columns about, actually only one opinion column, let's be honest, about, um, you know, how we can go about enforcing, you know, birds to ensure that they're being used safely. So, right, it seems logical that, um, and also fun and convenient that we can be, be able to use scooters that can be parked anywhere. You know, you can ride them to scale UCLA's hills and get around campus quickly. But as, you know, Omar pointed out, Omar and Abhishek pointed out, that there's a dismount zones where you're not supposed to be riding these vehicles. And just last week, so we're recording this podcast on Friday, February 23rd, a week before, so on the 16th, UCPD basically had a enforced dismount zone on the hill area of Brunwalk. This is the crosswalk area, or the hill area leading to the crosswalk to the hill. Wow, hills and crosswalks, too many mentions. But they basically put you know, put barricades or they had pe- people standing there telling people to get off their vehicles. And um, they stopped, you know, up more than 40 birds. Um, they were issuing warnings, a couple citations. So things are getting serious. And, you know, what happened then was uh, the bird scooters just sort of just, there was a mass exodus of students walking off without birds. The birds are just left on the side. And the company was sort of freaking out as far as I understand. Right, Omar? I would say so. I mean, they sent their director of government relations to the university, and you don't really send someone that important at a company somewhere unless it's a big deal. Bird has had some clashes with officials. As far as I understand, they just got out of a lawsuit with Santa Monica because they didn't have proper business licenses. UCPD is sort of fighting with them now. So they're not on the, quote, right side of history in this case. And um, albeit students still love using them and whatnot. And I still see people riding bird scooters every day. It makes me want to use one when I'm running late for class, but I will not drop to that level yet. Not unless I'm forced to. Uh, Omar recently wrote a column about how birds should limit where scooters can be parked to, you know, sort of incentivize students to better follow the traffic rules regarding bird. Um, Omar, do you want to go into a bit more detail, detail about that? Yeah, here's the thing about that. One of the main selling points of birds is that you can know where they are at all times through the app, so that way you can find the nearest one. So they're already equipped with GPS trackers. All it would take for bird to stop this problem is essentially they would use their maps that they already have to find out where areas that aren't like about two or three meters away from the nearest legal street are, and then they could just stop students from parking them there. If you can't park it somewhere, then people aren't going to find it there and pick it up and ride illegally. So how would you suggest, you know, Bird stop students from parking in 
quote-unquote like illegal areas or areas that they're not permitted to ride. It'd just be like an update to their app. All they would have to do is when students open the app to park their scooter and stop themselves from being charged, it would tell them, oh, you're in a place where you're not allowed to park and we're going to keep charging you until you move it. Hmm, seems pretty compelling. What do you think, Abhishek? Yeah, I think it's kind of, kind of possible, especially here at UCLA. Like, Bruin Walk is like pretty separate from public roadways, so there's not much margin of error there. Not much you can go wrong by restricting people from riding on Bruin Walk, especially since UCLA is the third ever location where Bird was been implemented. I suppose there's the counter-argument that, you know, there aren't a lot of roads near UCLA, and students in the business itself wouldn't be incentivized to, you know, have scooters only be able to use the ro- be able to be used on the roadways surrounding, you know, UCLA. How would you guys address that counter-argument? You can always take the road down near Covell and go, like, east of Drake and down there towards Anderson, and there's a roadway there. I don't know what the name is right now. I believe it's Charles E. Young. Yes. That's the road. <laughs> Clearly, we're not bird riders. <laughs> or in that case, we're not legal bird riders. Um, I guess I would say that the longer they know about this happening, and obviously UCPD is going to tell them and reach out and be like, hey, people are doing illegal things with your scooters. And the longer, the more time goes by that they don't do anything about it, the more they open themselves to liability and the more the university will be compelled to just be like, okay, bird, you're banned from campus. And I guess it's also worth pointing out that, you know, when UCPD had its sort of park and stop your vehicles or roll your vehicles incident on the 16th, bird vehicles or scooters were, you know, accumulating in places and stuck in one place. And that's, you know, not compelling to the business proposition. So I suppose you could say bird has a bit of incentive for it. But I don't know. I'm not an on-demand scooter company. I'm just some lowly computer science student. And I guess this brings me to my next question. Are birds worth it? Like, should should we should we ban them? Should we make them an extinct species? Like, what what do we think about the birds? Like, should they should they be allowed on campus? I don't like them, man. People are always almost hitting me with them. I feel less safe now than I did before, and they're kind of ugly. And they're always in packs all around the places that I want to go. I have to navigate through birds to get to buildings now. I think birds is just like you know the average kind of Silicon Valley ish project. It's transport with disruption, and it's disrupting UCLA, and it's disrupting my walk to class. Here's my take on it. I think it's like, maybe like a quasi-government conspiracy. Like, one day the birds weren't here, the next day they just popped up on campus. Like, and the birds are just parked there, and I'm walking down campus, and I just feel like I can't sleep well at night anymore because there are birds, like, staring at me. They're, like, sentient, like, scooters packed with sensors and whatnot. What's going to stop them from turning into, like, the Transformer robots? You know, like, the the one in the first Transformers that's, like, turns into a cell phone and stuff? Like, it, it's creepy. Like, it just feels like a conspiracy. Like I guess the thing that most creeps me out is that Bird hires contractors, so people who don't, like directly work for them to come and pick up the scooters at night and charge them. So I'm just weirded out by the influx of strangers on campus picking up scooters in the middle of the night. That makes me a little uncomfortable. Well, public campus, so I suppose it's somewhat allowed, but I don't know. This this seems too suspicious for me. I mean, it's it's not as it's not as over as like birds attacking me in day, broad daylight like they did in Alfred Hitchcock's movie, but like the, the scooters are antagonizing presence. Like, I feel challenged as a human being when I see birds just there. Okay, now you're sounding like a caveman. 
wow, this this is this is getting creepy. But we're going to have to chirp about this another day, folks. I don't want to clip your guys' wings, but we're going to have to switch topics. So we'll be back after a short break with a completely different topic, Soylent. Imagine this. You have a nice, pristine porcelain bowl, and you you pour in some Cheerios, and then you grab your jug of milk, pour some milk, let it let the bowl sit there for like fifteen minutes. Then you carefully hand pick all the Cheerios, but in a clean way, so like your finger doesn't get milk all over, it and like you know everything's nice and clean. And then you drink the milk. Yeah, no, I can't picture that. It, that's gonna be terrible. But apparently it's a product by the name of Soylent. Okay, yeah, so Soylent, that's what it tastes like, but it's something really different. I think it's a soy drink thing, and it's 400 calories each, and they're supposed to be meal replacements. I don't know how Cheerio milk can be 400 calories, but we're kind of joking here. So if you haven't heard, Soylent is like that meal replacement thing, somewhat neutral flavor. It's like it's like milk, except with the weird texture that you know something's been sitting in that milk. It comes in like a powdered form. I believe it also comes in like a liquid form. The idea is you buy these bottles, you drink them, and you're just like nice and healthy. There's um, one of the founders actually stayed on them for a month eating nothing else. And they're supposed to be pretty not that terrible for you. That actually sounds a lot more Silicon Valley than Birch. I didn't even know that was possible. I believe Soylent was actually marketed as a Silicon Valley thing, right? Yeah, because it see in two thousand January twenty fifteen, it received twenty million dollars from the venture firm Andreessen Horowitz, and that really boosted it. Hmm, interesting. And how was you know Soylent marketed? Who's who's the target audience? Would you guys say? It's targeted to basically programmers, wannabe yoga moms, essentially all the people who are all about streamlining their life, minimization, making everything as easy as it could possibly be. Hipsters. Are you calling computer scientists hipsters, Abhishek? Wannabe hipsters. That sounds more accurate. I guess it's worth pointing out that there was free soylent on Boonwalk today, so I guess what really is the appeal to UCLA students about soylent? Yeah, and that's kind of the reason we're talking about the soylent thing, because like, we see it on campus. I see it at hackathons. I see it in, in the office, Daily Burn office, that is. I, I see it here and there, and I'm just like, what's Soylent doing on campus? And yet people buy it. And, like, I wouldn't buy Cheerio milk. I wouldn't even buy Cheerios. Like, I, I stooped down to Raisin Bran this quarter, and I died. Like, I can't, I can't even believe I ate it. So how, how do people buy Cheerio milk? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, what, what's the appeal of this thing? Uh, the appeal of it is that it's easy. I mean, I can see the appeal of it. A lot of times I have early morning classes. I miss breakfast because I don't have time to stop and grab something. If I could just grab a bottle of Soylent and drink it on the way, it'd be pretty great. And I think that's the mindset that everyone who goes into this has. Think about it. It could take you like 35 minutes to grab food, at least 35 minutes to grab food in one of the dining halls here at UCLA. But if you went for Soylent, just mix up your powder into water and you gulp it and you're done in five minutes. So it's like chocolate milk, except not as tasty and more healthy, apparently. They have a chocolate version now. I hear it doesn't taste half bad. Chocolate Cheerio milk? What? Is that still healthy, though? I don't actually know. So what are the, what are the health benefits or risks, maybe, of 
Are there any risks of drinking soy lent? I'd say there's a lot more risks than benefits. Um, it's definitely fattier than most regular diets, and so it will kind of just mess up your internal digestive system for a few days while you're getting used to it. And um, I hear there's heavy metals in it as well. Like heavy metal rock bands? or No, heavy metals basically is the group of chemicals like lead, arsenic, cadmium, and it has like a higher concentration of those things than usual. Wait, they're drinking lead-infused Cheerio milk that might be chocolate-flavored? So here's the full details. In 2015, a consumer advocacy group alleged that the company's products contained levels of lead and cadmium that were, like, higher than permissible under California law, which, under Prop 65, that means Soylent has to put a notice on its wallet saying, oh, we have lead and cadmium in our, bottle, in our products. So should we be drinking this, then? Like... Well, the company kind of refuted the claims that they had dangerous levels of cadmium and lead in their products, so I don't know, but I won't be getting anywhere near Soylent in the future, so it doesn't really concern me. Says Abhishek, our resident health expert, who doesn't miss a meal or a day of the gym in at UCLA. I mean, I'm not going to tell people not to drink it or to drink it. I will say I was personally going to go on it for a whole week just so I could write about it, but I'm rethinking that a little right now. Just to add some context, um, we all watched a CNET video before this podcast to get an idea of like what all the craze behind Soylent is. And, you know, we learned that, you know, for somebody who takes in about 4,000 calories a day, you can just drink a couple of Soylent drinks and, you know, it'll fill you up. It has a lot of fiber in it. Um, and then we learned that like it might cause gastrointestinal problems, like it has heavy metals. Like, I don't know, like why would Soylent go out of its way to add cadmium to a drink? Like it's, it's powdered Cheerio milk for crying out loud. Don't put cadmium and like lead inside it. Like it's, I don't don't even know. So back in 2014, this writer for The Guardian ended up going a week on Soylent and his body fat percentage increased from 12.4 to 13.5%. And he says he slid into misery, and he was pretty miserable. So uh, I was looking at articles, too. I wanted to see, obviously, if someone else had done it. And there was this woman who had. She gave up after the fourth day because she lost three pounds from just being on the toilet having diarrhea 24-7. So maybe this Soylent week for a week kind of campaign isn't in our interest then, Omar. Yeah, maybe not. But I heard that they switched from Soylent 1.0 to 2.0. So maybe they need someone else to find out the new problems. What do they do, replace cadmium with cesium instead? I have no idea. You know what I think people should do? Eat a salad instead. It has nutrients. It has fiber. It's healthy. It doesn't have a high fat percentage. I have a better idea. What if you just drank a kale smoothie with like a lot of fruits and maybe a couple of vegetables? Well, kale is a vegetable. Just every day for a meal. Like, what if you just went to BCAF and just drank their smoothies for a week? Like, at least there's not, I hope there's not cesium in BCAF stuff. That's also unhealthy. Yeah, beef smoothies are really high calorie, and they're not filling in the right way. Darn it. Well, looks like we're going to have to try a salad, a salad for a week diet plan from now on. What about a week-long tea cleanse? Wait, that might actually work. Hmm. We'll, we'll get back to you about how that goes next week in our next No Offense podcast.